630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Four minutes into the second period, still scoreless. Vegas and Dallas shots are 10-7 in favor of the Golden Knights. Blue Jays lead the Yankees 2-1 in the bottom of the seventh. In the NBA, the Heat on the verge of finishing off the box. Three minutes left. It's 89-82 for the Heat. The Raptors play tomorrow. We're going to talk more about that in a few seconds here with Paul Sir. Some Oilers news today and a couple more players have uh, been loaned to European teams to start the season. So uh, they'll be over there until the Oilers get back at it for the next NHL season. Gaetan Haas goes to Bern of the Swiss League. And uh, defenseman Evan Bouchard goes to the uh, Swedish Hockey League to start the season. And, uh, well, up around a dozen Oilers now. Uh, some more prospects, a couple players who will be on the team this year. Joachim Nygaard uh, assigned earlier. Prospect Philip Broberg assigned earlier. Uh, going to Europe to stay in shape and uh, keep playing. Now, starting tomorrow in this time slot, we're going to have live hockey. So we'll bring you all the remaining Stanley Cup playoff games starting tomorrow game two of uh, the Islanders and the Lightning. So no more inside sports uh, for the rest of the week. And then whenever there is not a game, uh, we'll be on. So we'll see what happens with the conference finals. And then I imagine they'll go every second day for the Stanley Cup final. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Seven minutes after seven. You can reach out at 780-496-0063 to call or text. Coach Dad says Darnell Nurse is underrated by so many people. The last, the last defenseman we should be trading, uh, Clef Bomb, if we have to trade one of the two all day. Coach Dad goes on to say, and they should have kept Sam Gagne for the playoffs. If that's all we could get for him, the guy we brought in, and that was uh, Athanasiu, uh, Coach Dad uh, referring to him, saying that he was useless. Gagne was good for morale, and he would have found a way to score a couple. So uh, there you go. Some feedback from Coach Dad on the text line. As Vegas gets on the board, and I'm just looking up to see the goal here. I think Stastny. I don't know if Stastny touched this in front. Or did it go off the Dallas player? Oh, no, Stastny got it. Pass in front from Pacioretty. Stastny deflects it just inside the goalpost past Hedobin. So uh, Vegas finally has a goal in that series. one nothing lead on Dallas. Okay, I mentioned tomorrow it's on the line for the Raptors as we bring in Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta. Paul, uh, a tough first couple games for the Raptors. Looked like they were back on track and then... Like my goodness, but they, they were never in that game yesterday. Like they were they were never in that game yesterday. Couldn't be more correct to read. They came out with nothing. And Boston obviously was ready to go. They had a great game plan, executed it to perfection, but uh you know, it's really you, you hate to use this term inexcusable, but in the fifth game of a series to be caught that flat-footed and be that ineffective, particularly in the first half, you really, you really have to question the motivation of the players and just the mental preparedness. And there are so many things you you never know of what could be going on behind the scenes. But they certainly weren't ready last night. Boston was. Boston never really took their foot off the Raptors' throat to use a very, very violent <laughs> image. But it, it, it was all Boston all night, and uh, the Raptors have the season on the line tomorrow. 
And, you know, Paul, that is one of the age-old discussions that people who watch sports have. And you've also experienced it as a coach as a pl- and a player. It is something Rob Brown and I discuss after Oilers games, sometimes to the positive, sometimes to the negative. And that is how do you start a game? What do you do in the first half of a first period in hockey or the first half of a first quarter uh, in, in basketball? And, you know, I'll, I'll tie this back to the Oilers. Like Ken Holland said, they kind of felt their way into the series against game one against Chicago. And, oh, then it's 4-1, 11 minutes into the game. But from a Raptors standpoint, like that's a championship roster. They're not, and that's to me what makes it even more befuddling. And I'm sure you've coached teams along the way where you're just like, what, what is going on? Where are they tonight? Absolutely. But as a player, I also remember what it was like to not show up or have a team not show up inexplicably to be caught unprepared mentally as a complete unit. that That's very odd. Now, one of the things I watched last night was how did Nick Nurse adjust to this? He tried a number of things. He went into his own. He tried some different combinations of players. It just wasn't there. But I think, too, Reed, an awful lot of credit has to go to Boston, not just in their game plan, but the way that they had the Raptors standing and watching flat-footed. And the key, the, here's the key. You, you mentioned about how do you start the game. This is where you need your best players, and, and I particularly would, would want to pick on Pascal Siakam because I thought in the first half, there's an energy guy. He, he needs to get to the rim. He has to stop shooting the open three. There's a reason he's open. Boston wants him to shoot. He's not shooting it well, and Boston is almost daring him to take the shot. And they're closing out on Van Fleet. They're closing out on Lowry and going after the better three-point shooters on the Raptors, but leaving the one that they most want to see shoot the ball wide open. And Siakam has to get to the rim, and he has to start creating opportunities in that way and then let the three-point shot come to him as opposed to just standing out there and firing three. Well, so like basically what you're saying is know who you are and be that player. <laughs> you got to know who you are, be that player. And if you're open, you've got to ask yourself, why am I so open? <laughs> and there's a reason. <laughs> and, and, the, and, and the thing is with, with Pascal, he's so good at going to the basket and creating shot opportunities. And he even showed in the second half, he had a couple of real nice offensive rebounds and putbacks. He's really long. He's very athletic but he's not a pure three-point shooter. So he can't take that bait from Boston. He has to cut harder. He has to be He has to be more impactful on the game, I believe. And I think the Raptors under Nick Nurse will come out tomorrow. And, and I thought Nurse made one interesting adjustment in the second half. If, if, you, if, if you want, I can share that. that I, yeah, for sure. Pay, yeah, it might pay a bit of a dividend tomorrow, Reed. He put his bench in to pressure the Celtics all the way through the third and the fourth quarter. Most of the Raptors starters played very little in the fourth quarter. Most of the Boston starters played almost the entire fourth quarter, and that was because Brad Stevens didn't want the Raptors to go on a roll. He didn't want to take anything for granted. But tomorrow, the Raptors should be better rested than they have been. Boston maybe can feel their legs a little bit, but more than that, it's going to depend on what kind of game plan that the Raptors come prepared with and how they execute it. 
Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta joining us tonight uh, on Inside Sports and of course from Canada Basketball where he's done a great job uh, promoting 3x3 and we're going to have the training center right here at the Edmonton Expo Center. Okay, so as you mentioned Siakam and the three-pointers and you and I briefly touched on this uh, the last time you were on. Uh, I, I texted you on the weekend because I was watching some of the uh, the Lakers game and at times there wasn't even an offensive player in the key. You know, like they're just oh, all standing So I'm gonna I'm gonna give these stats, and I, and I gave some similar stats last weekend, but just for comparison, the '86 '87 Lakers, which would be a, one of the all-time great NBA teams, in 82 regular season games, they attempted 447 three-pointers. This year's Lakers played 71 regular season games, shortened because of the pandemic. They attempted over 2,200. <laughs> So, like, okay. First of all, you, you type, and, and I and I want to get into the the fallout for this because you know people copy the pros, and you know I want to let you go a little deeper here than you did when you were on a couple weeks ago. Is, is there a point this really changed to you? Uh, is this just finally basketball analytics saying it's better to hit forty percent of your threes than fifty like fifty percent of your twos? When did this really shift for you? I think it was Houston that really did the in-depth analytics and completely sold out to shooting the three. And I it, it certainly the analytics has taken over completely. Add into that the success of Clay Thompson and, and, and most significantly Steph Curry with Golden State. That's what really tip, tipped the scale, is when you have two shooters like that who are capable to shoot from such such range and are so consistent, shoot such a high percentage, and people start looking at the analytics and, and saying, if we do this, we're going to be that much better. Here, though, is where I struggle. You don't, if everybody was scoring 130 points a game, I'd say, man, this is, this is really the way you got to go. But they're not. You know, there are some games where teams are on fire and they score a lot of points. There's some games that are 130 to 120. But I don't think those games, with the exception of the, of the, you know, the dirty 80s and, and 90s when the defense was hand-checking and so physical and so filthy that you, you go to the basket and you took your life into your hand, those <laughs> days are gone. They've cleaned it up now. What I, here's what I'd say, Reed. Look at Kawhi Leonard. He, has, he shoots the three ball really well. He has a really nice low post game. But what makes Kawhi special, dangerous, and almost impossible to guard is his mid-range game. And a lot of NBA teams have sold out and said, no, we don't want that 12-foot shot. We want either a layup or a three. And they're banking on more threes going in. But then you look at the Raptors. Last night, they tried to shoot their way back into the game by taking a lot of threes. And when they're not falling, you live by the sword and die by the sword. And I think that going away from the mid-range game is a huge mistake. I mean, my God, I'll use the Minnesota Timberwolves as an example. Brian Saunders, their head coach, at the beginning of the year before the Wiggins trade, had them taking an, an unbelievable amount of threes, but nobody on the team was shooting more than 33% from the three. So you've got a terrible three-point shooting team shooting three. That doesn't make sense to me. So. I think the pendulum will swing back to the middle where you're going to get a little more floor balance now rather than this ridiculous overemphasis on shooting the three all the time. 
Paul, can you stay on the line through the break? Because I want to I want to get into this too. How this affects grassroots basketball, junior high, oh. senior high basketball. Can you hang around? I've got a couple of good stories about that. I'd be happy to. More with Paul Sir after the break. Vegas uh, just had a goal taken off the board, but they do lead 2-0 over Dallas halfway through the second period, and Vegas still with a minute to go uh, on the power play. There was a a challenge by Dallas, uh, goaltender interference on Pacioretty, incidental contact, but it's enough to take the goal off the board. So Vegas leading Dallas 2-0 halfway through the second period. Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta and Basketball Canada is on the line. We're, uh, we're talking about the Raptors and, and getting into the uh, a high number of, of three-point shots uh, taken in a game in the NBA, like around 70 per game total. So it, th- there are a lot. So, Paul, I, I'm curious here, and I'll, you mentioned you have some stories, but my whole angle is... How does this affect how basketball is taught to kids and coached even in junior high and high school when everybody in college and at the pro levels is going to want you to just shoot a three-pointer? <laughs> well, it's actually a great point because kids emulate and uh, imitate their hero's uh, style of play. Uh, my, my one story would be I, I walked into uh, – a gym, a recreational center gym, uh, a couple of years ago, and this was at the peak of Thompson and and Steph Curry. And I walked in, and there were probably fifteen or twenty kids out there shooting. And these were young kids, probably sixth or seventh grade. They're all shooting threes. And I bet if you counted how many went through the hoop, you 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 know it would have taken you an hour to get a, you know to to get the number of makes on one hand. Because none of the none of the kids could shoot, but all they wanted to do was shoot three pointers. And what is missed by coaches oftentimes, and certainly by kids, is they want the spectacular play. They but they they don't understand. You got to learn how to shoot properly first, and go through the muscle memory development to become a good shooter, and then you work your way out to the three. Whereas young kids, oftentimes by coaches, are encouraged to take the three. It's not how many you take, it's how many you make. And to your point, Reed, I think there's an overemphasis on flashy ball handling and shooting from, uh, shooting from a range that you're not capable of making a consistent percentage. And, and I would never claim to be uh, the greatest coach in the world, but... You know, I coached for a long time, did some good things, and my teams generally always led the ACAC in three-point shooting, numbers of makes, and in percentage. I would tell players, if they weren't shooting well consistently over a number of games, that they had to take the night off from shooting the three because they hadn't earned the right to shoot it anymore. <laughs> they weren't making it. So I said, anybody can take a shot. you got to make the shot. Get it to somebody who has a, a better percentage who's been putting the work in and then when you show me in practice that you're putting extra work in to get your shot back, then we'll start talking about you're shooting the three again. So uh, you've got to earn the right to shoot the three. It's not just your right to step on the court and start chucking. But a lot of kids, that's how they're learning the game. 
And that doesn't make them good shooters. That just makes them high volume shooters. Right. Well, that's I, I love that's what I that's what I'm wondering. If you're coaching a team of ten year olds and they're watching the NBA, how interested are they going to be in the dribbling drill? <laughs> right. <laughs> with, well, or the passing drill when there's one pass and then a shot. Like you're taking six seconds off the shot clock. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Reed. That's why coaching is so important. You have to take the fundamental skill drills that you need to teach kids and you have to help them enjoy it. You have to help them. You have to help make it fun. But if you skip that step, all you're doing is cheating the building blocks of that the players need to go through. You're taking that away from them, but you have to make it fun and you have to make it competitive, but you can't, you can't take a shortcut. You can't step on the court and be a three point shooter unless you're just extraordinarily gifted. And you have to put the time in. It's a skill like any other. So uh, that's why, like at Alberta Basketball, we work hard at encouraging coaches to take more coaching uh, uh, certification courses to increase their skill set. And there's some great, great coaches out there. And we're really proud of how many coaches are doing that. And we think that will pay big dividends and make better shooters out of kids as time goes on. should mention uh, Miami beats... Milwaukee 103-94 to win the series in five. Uh, you mentioned Alberta basketball, Paul. Before we go here, what is uh, what is going on? We're we're rolling into that time of year. Obviously, there are some challenges and limitations in in the world and in the sporting world. Uh, how are you guys adapting? What's happening this winter? Big challenges, Reed. Uh, gym availability, uh, COVID nineteen restrictions and protocols that vary from facility to facility, league to league. But uh, we are implementing our high-performance programs. Uh, this fall, we're doing them at first with, uh, with uh, distance and spacing and then phasing in as the government allows more and more close contact uh, with our high-performance. And we're also working with various clubs and leagues uh, to make sure that if they're able to get gym time, that they know what the government, uh, what a, uh, Alberta Health Services expects, educate them on that, and try to create the safest possible environment for return to play opportunities for kids, coaches, parents, officials, everyone. So it's challenging, but hey, Reed, we got to meet the challenge, and we all have to work together to beat COVID-19, to be safe, and uh, Alberta basketball is trying to do its part. Paul, thanks for checking in. Enjoy the Raptors game uh, tomorrow. And I guess we got the Lakers in Houston tipped off here at 7-4. So somebody's likely made a three-pointer. They've <laughs> <laughs> already taken 10. <laughs> exactly two minutes into the game. Thanks so much for checking in, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Reed. That is some great stuff for Paul, sir. Love talking to him. And uh, to me, that's I've said it before, one of the most, uh, I think that's the most impactful rule change in in sports from the last i don't know well 50 or 60 years the the addition of the three-point line in the nba and now they are absolutely firing away two nothing vegas over dallas seven and a half minutes left in the second period we will keep you updated there we're back after the news and weather inside sports on 6 30 chat
Ooh, what's this one killing? This is by a band called Phantom. This is called Evil Eyes. And who requested this one? The Avenger. All right. I'm talking like this. <laughs> you sure are, Kellen. <laughs> Dennis Shapovalov, the Canadian in action quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. He leads Pablo Carreno Busta 4-3 in the first set. So we'll uh, keep you updated on that one. Busta advancing after Novak Djokovic was disqualified on the weekend for hitting the ball. And it hit the linesman in the throat. So he's out of the tournament as a result. 3-0 Vegas now. Four and a half minutes left in the second period. Blue Jays leading the Yankees 2-1 with one out in the top of the ninth. So the Blue Jays trying to finish off that game. It is... uh, Who hit the home run tonight? Oh, Jonathan Davis with the uh, home run for the Blue Jays. The only two RBIs in the game for the Jays. And uh, as I mentioned, the Miami Heat advance in the NBA, 103-94 over the Bucs to win it four games to one. Lakers in Houston in their series, which is tied 1-1. The game is tied at 15, five minutes into the first quarter. Raptors play tomorrow. The good old must win against the Boston Celtics couple more Edmonton Oilers assigned to teams in Europe, loaned to teams in Europe for the start of the 2020-2021 season. So they will play, they will get in game action, they'll stay in shape, and then they will come back to the Oilers when it's time to get ready for the NHL year. Gaetan Haas goes to Bern of the Swiss League. Defenseman Evan Bouchard goes to the Swedish Hockey League. And uh, he's going to be an important player for the Oilers as we move along. So that is the latest there. 780-496-0063 if you would like to chime in tonight by calling or texting. Dustin Johnson uh, won the FedEx Cup over the weekend. I didn't actually uh, get to watch as much of that as I have been watching some of the golf events the last few weeks here over the summer. But uh, obviously an exceptional player. And what do we still have? We still have the U.S. Open this fall. We have the Masters this fall. So that'll be different talking about those events uh, at this time of year rather than in the spring and the summer. Oh, yeah, all the horse racing, uh, Kellen. Watch the Kentucky Derby. Um, I, I, uh, I hope people don't think I'm a bad man. I got an account on good old HPI bet. Allows you to bet online races all over the world. The first thing I did is I signed up in the evening after the show. When was it, Kellen? It might have been Friday even. Was it Thursday or Friday? No, I think it was Thursday. Thursday after the show, I mm-hmm. went and signed up for HPI bet. And then okay. you have access to almost any horse race in the world. So I said, oh, let's see how this works. So I just bet on a race in Australia. And then you just watch the race. You get a whole list of races and it tells you how many minutes to post. You can click on it. You can look at the field. If you want, you can purchase a program, um, which is pretty inexpensive, but I wasn't going to purchase one just for one race. So I picked a horse, didn't win anything. Um but still pretty fun. And then uh, did the Derby and then uh, followed along online on Sunday night with the uh, Alberta fall classic at, at century mile. Uh, did a lot of that with my, uh, with my parents too. My mom, my mom loves horse racing. My mom actually uh, loves gambling in general. The little, little known fact about my mother <laughs> nice. who is, uh, hasn't made uh, many appearances on the show lately without a CFL season. And, um, as we know, she's not a fan of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but, uh, so my mom loves the, uh, loves watching the horse races. So it was pretty mm. cool. You, we just, you just go on to HPI bet. You can stream everything. You want to place a bet, 
great and you can do it and you don't have to sit and watch the race. You can get a notification uh, coming in for, uh, you know, you can get notifications if you, if you want anything. So then you'd be like, Oh, I bet this and, and, and won this. Uh, I actually came out slightly ahead in my wagering oh, right over on. the course of the evening, but I, I mean, I'm not paying off my mortgage or anything. I might, I might be able to afford, uh, you know, a six pack of beer with what I want, but still, <laughs> still better than nothing. Uh, Daryl, I appreciate your texts. I don't know how to open what you're sending me. <laughs> so that's, uh, I, I appreciate it, Daryl, but I, I, I'm not getting the full message. I'm very sorry. I don't know what to do. Maybe someone who's smarter technically, maybe other hosts get, get this stuff. Well, Daryl's just sending me, I make it sound like he's sending me some forbidden document. It's just a bit of a, a video. I, it's, it doesn't play for me, Daryl. So you'll have to describe it. You'll have to give me the described video to seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, three. But yeah, I enjoyed the, enjoy the, I, I actually, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed watching the horse races, the fall classic, uh, so many great Alberta horses. And, and I, I haven't watched as much horse racing as I used to the last couple of years, but man, I really enjoy it. And yeah, there's the wagering aspect to it. And I know that isn't for everybody, but, uh, but, but I enjoy it. And I, I just enjoy the duels when you got two or three horses, you know, side by side down the stretch, staring each other down. The jockeys are spurring them on. I, I just enjoy that uh, level of competition. And I used to cover the chuck wagon races extensively when I worked in Lloyd Minster. I was there from 2000 to 2007. Uh, a lot of chuck wagon racers from that part of the world. And I know this is, is separate from thoroughbred racing, but a lot of, a lot of chuck wagon horses are former thoroughbred horses and they get to keep competing and keep running. And I, and I know chuck wagon racing over the years has um, been the target of protests, but I, 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 I think it's a great sport. I think the, the drivers and, and the owners and the outriders treat the horses uh, extremely well. Unfortunately, you might get a few guys along the way who aren't as respectful of the animals as, as you would like. I, I think those people are are extremely rare and are the definite exception. I know when there is uh, a crash in truck wagon racing, it, it looks really bad and, and there's often bad results, unfortunately. Um, you know, drivers have lost their lives as well. Uh, Bud McEwen, who is from Lloyd Minster, uh, was killed at the Calgary Stampede, I believe the year before I, I moved to Lloyd. And his son, Larry, eventually won the Canadian Professional Chuck Wagon Association Championship. So uh, I get all that. I, I don't think it, there is a such thing as a sport without danger. I don't think that there is a such thing as a racing sport without danger. So that's why uh, I remain firmly in the in the corner of what the, the people in chuck wagon racing racing are doing. But anyway, it, it was it was awesome watching the fall classic and this HBI bet website. Now you have to be careful because you put money in and then you're just clicking. You don't have to go up to the teller's window and actually hand them cash. So you have to be careful not to get carried away uh, with the bets. You got to be aware of what your balance is if you're not having a great night. But but uh, I really enjoyed it. Derek is texting in. Derek with a uh, possible text of the night winner here. He says, I know this is completely unrelated to what you're talking about, but I have to know what Ched Nation thinks. What do you think about candied bacon being an option for Dairy Queen blizzards? Is that a real thing, Kellen? Candied bacon for blizzards? Uh, that's the first I've heard of it, but I am definitely... No, I don't, yeah, I don't know now. if this is an actual thing that they're doing or... Uh, like I haven't been to a Dairy Queen all summer. 
are, do they actually have the flavor? Are they are they thinking about adding it as a flavor? Personally, I think it's a great idea. Why not? Candied bacon as an option for Dairy Dairy Queen blizzards. I, I'd probably try it. I'm always partial to the uh, cookie dough blizzards myself. I'm a little bit limited because of my my nut allergy. I got to be I got to be careful with some of the stuff. But uh, the cookie dough is usually safe, and some of the basic chocolate flavors. But I, yeah, candied bacon, uh, candied bacon. Why not, Derek? But put me down for a yes, Derek. If you're a if you're a Dairy Queen, you know, product not product tester, but whatever you want to see what the consumers think. Why not? Richard is on the line. Richard, go ahead, buddy. Good day, sir. Hi. I am old enough to know when the Vancouver Canucks first came into the lake 50 years ago. They did a cross-Canada tour, them and the Buffalo Sabres, and they came to Red Deer. My mom and dad graciously took me to the game. I was 10 years old. Now, in that 50 years, they've reached the final three times uh, swam out of that sea of mediocre hockey and, you know, made the final three times. And I think it's no wonder that Stan Schmiel, their hero, says his greatest hockey memory is winning the Memorial Cup. Nothing to do with the NHL. I just think that somehow they're, you know, 50 years, not, you know, and three sniffs at the cup and that's it. Something's wrong somewhere. But this is the breakthrough year great. They're not. They'll just go back to that mediocre hockey that they played for five decades now. Jim, appreciate that. I'm not sure which way it's going to go with them. Uh, I mean, like good for good for Demko, but they were pretty pretty badly out, outplayed against Vegas for sure. Now, having said that, we're, we're, the Oilers are trying to climb out of some recent mediocrity, so hopefully they can do that. Are you still on the line, Richard? Is he gone? He's gone. Okay. Well, I'm glad he called in. It's good to hear from Richard. 780-496-0063. Derek says they do not, Dairy Queen does not currently have that flavor, but he wants it to be a thing. Well, Derek, if there was ever a show that was a form for suggesting Dairy Queen Blizzard flavors, I think it's this one. (laughs) How about canned ham for a flavor? There we go. We're back after the break with an EE fan who went to the Labor Day Classic. What? Good to have you tuning in. What's this one killing? Would you believe this is Winger? The song is called Junkyard Dog, and this was requested to us by Daryl. What was the guy's name? Kip Winger? Was that his first name? That was his first name. Kip. Shapovalov won the first set 6-3 against Busta. He's down one love in the second set. Quarterfinals. U.S. Open. Uh, 3-0. 3-0 for Vegas after two periods. Uh, Brian from Millet sitting in his rocking chair. I believe he's out on his porch. Says, do you think fans will be in the stands to watch the Labor League Classic next year? My God, Brian. I'm opt- I'm optimistic, but again, th- these are conversations for medical people. Uh, I- I- I'm optimistic. Hopefully by then, uh, maybe there's a... a 
a treatment or, or a vaccine, or, or maybe it's uh, just safer to congregate, I hope. But yeah, I mean, it's so it's so day to day, week to week with with the virus, Brian. It's it's tough to predict. The CFL wants to be back next year, and they they need to have fans. So if if there is a CFL season, there will be at least some form of attendance, which will please my next guest, Janelle Sproul is on the line, fan of the EE football team. Janelle, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I have to ask this, you know, I, I don't, so you know Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. He's the one that asked you to come on. Yes, I met him last what? year at RKL Gate. So you've met him. He's a great guy. Why, is, why does he put on my show line up here that you are the empress of the oven? So every tailgate, I bake either new boozy cupcakes or I take cookies uh, shaped like footballs filled with mini M&Ms. I'm, I bake every tailgate, no matter if it's in Edmonton or Calgary. Oh, okay. So that's, uh, no, what, what sort of boozy cupcakes do you make, dare I ask? I'm up to about 30 now. The newest ones were a Moscow Mule and a Raspberry Mojito I've done everything from Jack Daniels and Coke to a margarita. Oh, my. And can you actually become uh, intoxicated off, off the cupcakes? Uh, very much. <laughs> None of the no, not that you would know off, firsthand. So it's, uh, it makes a really good tailgate time. <laughs> okay. Uh, how long have you been a fan of, of, of what we now refer to as the EEs? Uh, I've it's my whole life. I grew up watching football and um, I've always gone and I met my husband about 15 years ago and he had season seats. So then I started going to every game. Now, what was more of an attraction, his personality or his season seats? Uh, he knows the answer to that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We, we, won't, we won't divulge it on air. Yeah. We, we can't confirm or deny. Okay. I will not confirm or deny. Okay, how was I? I do want to ask you a serious question, and it's something I talked about extensively on the show. How how are you dealing with the the loss of the name Eskimos and, and the upcoming change? Because I my summary was as as a as a season seat holder, which I am, and as a broadcaster, I, I did find it quite difficult. Though there's a, a logical part of my brain that that understands what's happening. Uh, I understand why they've done it, um, and I support them for that. And we will continue to keep going and support the team and whatever they decide to change it to. And we will eventually buy new uh, gear for the games. Well, I think they want to keep the logo too, right? Which is great. So there'd still be some some continuation there, which is good. And 90% of our stuff just has the double E logo, so that's great. But whatever they come up with, we will eventually buy something, either a shirt or a new hat or something to support them. Yeah, good attitude. Okay, Janelle, here's the million-dollar question why we had you on the show. Can you tell me what you did yesterday? We got up early and drove down to Calgary to do a Labor Day tailgate with our crazy uh, Stampeders fans, friends. No, drove was all this... the way down for a five-hour tailgate. So did, did was this planned in advance, or did you crash a party that Stamps fans were, were having? What happened here? I really wish I just crashed it. Um, I actually made friends with some Stamps fans uh, through the Edmonton tailgate. 
And uh, so we were invited down to um, have a nice tailgate with them and to see friends that we haven't been able to see this year due to COVID and uh, kind of just see our CFL family that we haven't been able to see for about a year. Okay, so that was pretty cool. So was it, uh, did you play any old games on the TV or on the radio while you hung out or what did you do? Uh, no, no, no games. Uh, there was the, the ribbing of each team as usual. Um, and a lot of just past like stories about either the games that we've been down to or um, Grey Cup stories that where people met and how we know each other and uh, just just a lot of friends just getting along and talking about football. Okay. Well, that's that, that's really cool. Um, how many people were there? Our group, we had about 20, but there was about four or five groups of people around the stadium. Um, and I think so in total, there was like 100, 150 people, but there was no more than 20 at each little grouping. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. So, uh, you did that and and you came back. So you still kept the Labor Day traditional uh, alive. Well, good for you. Uh, but but to me, it was, it it really hit me last week. Um, because we were hopeful there was going to be a season in September and, and Labor Day kind of would have made things feel a little bit normal. It really hit me last week that the CFL wasn't around. When, When did it really strike you? If, if at all? Uh, I think when it was finally announced that there would be no season at all, even to sit around at home and watch the games, um, which is the other reason that we really needed to go and meet up with our CFL family and just have a little sense of normalcy. There wasn't a game, but there was the tailgate. And that kind of gave us a little bit of, of hope for next year. So uh, what sports, if, in, if any, have you found yourself uh, watching here? I don't know if you're into other stuff, but what's kept your uh, sporting Jones going here? A lot of the old games that are on TV that they keep showing, and then hockey. Uh, we are a sports household, so we always have something on TV. So there's lots of hockey, and there's some basketball going on a little bit, too. Good stuff. Okay, well, that's, that's really cool you made the trip. Uh, how can people find you on Twitter? Uh, Jangle Spruce on Twitter. Now, is there a story behind that? Uh, the first time I put my name into my iPhone, it changed it to Jangle Spruce. <laughs> it changed and Chanel Sproul. I thought it was amazing, so I kept it. <laughs> now, have you considered legally? Ch- you could be like Bono. You could legally change your name. Um, I mean, Janelle's pretty unique, too, so I think I'll stick with that one for now. <laughs> Janelle, thanks for coming on the show. Good for you for keeping your Labor Day tradition alive with your friends slash rivals from Calgary. Uh, I, I'm going to make a request, if you would like. I, I don't expect you to adhere to it, but I will make the request, and that is uh, when the CFL is back and we are talking about actual games involving the EE football team, I'd love to have you call into Inside Sports and discuss a game the night after. Sound fair? Always. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That is Janelle Sproul, fan of the EE football team, the Empress of the Oven, Jangle Spruce on Twitter. So that's a cool little tale. Goes down to Calgary for uh, Labor Day Classic festivities, even though, even though, of course, there was no Labor Day Classic. There is hockey. And it's 3-0 for Vegas after two periods. So the Golden Knights trying to tie up that series. 
can also tell you what's going on with the Blue Jays here. Is this not over yet? It is over. Blue Jays beat the Yankees 2-1. So Jays up to 24-18 and 18 on the season. The Rockets lead the Lakers 36-32 early in the second quarter. And Miami beat Milwaukee 103-94 to win that series in five. So Miami gets the winner of Boston and Toronto in the uh, NBA East final. And game six of that series is tomorrow. The Raptors are down three games to two. Uh, Shapovalov, let me just make sure I got the latest here. The Canadian in the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open won the first set 6-3. He's down two love in the second set. All right, I'm going to be gone for a few days. We are going to have conference final hockey in this time slot for uh, the rest of the round, and then we'll bring you uh, Stanley Cup games as well. But uh, for the rest of the week, at least, no inside sports, but we'll have live hockey for you, so that'll be fun. Hope you can tune into that. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Our studio producer this evening is the one and only Kellen Kennedy. Thanks for your calls and texts. Always appreciate it. My name's Reed. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.